when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast. That's where we look ahead to some of the events at least that are going to be moving markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week, we'll be looking at what the MPC might do or not do, the state of the British economy, and we'll also be asking how the supermarkets are faring in the current price war. And there's a new kid on the Fiverr front. This week, I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, economics editor of The Times and columnist, Deirdre Hipwell, our retail editor, and Robert Lee, industrial editor of The Times. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Philip, let's start with you. And we've got a really comprehensive update on the UK economy. We've got the MPC vote from the Bank of England on rates. And there's job numbers, wages, GDP and inflation. But perhaps before we go to that, it's worth recalling that the Bank of England governor, Mark Carney, has been criticised, not least by Alastair Osborne, our daily columnist, for introducing new monetary policy moves uh, like bond buying too soon after the referendum vote. This is what he's just told the Treasury Select Committee on the measures so far. In light of all the events uh, since the referendum, since uh, the evening of uh, the 23rd, um, I'm absolutely um, serene about uh, the comments made both by the judgments, I should say, uh, made both by the MPC and the FPC. Serene, eh, Philip? So, designed to worry about? Well, uh, there probably is a little bit more to worry about. Uh, still, although the economic data has been looking up lately, um, there's only been two months since uh, since Brexit of economic data, so uh, there's uh, there's still a long way to go. So it's too early to be completely serene, as the governor claims to be. But uh, yeah, we've got interest rate decision coming up. Uh, the Monetary Policy Committee is unlikely to do anything after they've unleashed their Brexit bazooka in August. So we're, we're expecting them to stand pat. You know, they, they already cut rates to 0.25. They did 60 billion of traditional QE, 10 billion of corporate bond purchases as additional QE, and a 100 billion pound funding subsidy scheme for the for the banks. Uh, they also said that they were minded to cut interest rates again, so people think they're going to cut them to 0.1%. That may happen, but if the economic data starts to look at, continues to, to, to look like it's, it's reasonably robust, we may never get that extra cut, so rate, rates may stop at 0.25, not expecting to see anything uh, in the September meeting. Looking at wages and, 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 and jobs growth, 
do you get the feeling it's plattered? Because it's it's rather like watching a barometer that never moves because the, the actual rate of employment or unemployment is always seems to be stuck at the same level, although we get a few more jobs each time, but not much wage growth either. Unemployment came down pretty swiftly from, you know, what was it, eight and a half around that, eight and a half percent after the recession. Uh, so it's now 4.9 percent, which is pretty much at what uh, what economists classify as full employment um the uh it, the the odd thing is that when you get to full employment you should start to see wages rising obviously since brexit there's a lot more uncertainty in the jobs market you, we're, we're expecting to see unemployment pick up over the next year you wouldn't expect to see wages they've been growing at around two percent which is pretty weak on historical standards used to used to see wage growth of around four and a half percent um uh, and uh, so, so again, the, the the figures which are which are due out, you, you know, we, we probably will only see because they're uh, they're the May to July figures. So probably we'll see uh, unemployment remaining at about four point nine percent, and the wages data to stamp out also around two percent. Yeah, it feels like we're in the uh, in the summer of nineteen fourteen. Phil, it's all the phony war because nothing's actually happened. I mean, the real impact is. Uh, uh, when we get to know what uh, Brexit actually really means, and uh, uh, when Art- Article 50 um, uh, is moved upon, and uh, I do wonder whether we're in the situation where the Bank of England, uh, having fired a bazooka, it just hasn't got any more artillery. Yeah, it is. It does feel a little bit like a phony war. The life goes on, doesn't it? And so you've had we've had Brexit, but people just have to con- continue doing what they were doing before. And obviously, the longer we have before any sort of political agreement on what the sort of trade deals are going to be, uh, then I, you know I feel like the the momentum that we were carrying into the referendum is going to just ebb away, and and we may and we may see sort of declining rates of growth. Has the Bank of England used up all its ammunition? It certainly feels like uh, they're right at the end of the stockpile. But uh, And also, there's a big question about whether, even if they do do any more, it's actually helping. Well, I certainly think, from the retail perspective, Phil's point about life goes on is completely true. I mean, Andy Street from John Lewis this week was saying that they had, although fashion sales were shocking in August, big-ticket items were still selling pretty well, like, couches and TVs and he said that is really often the best indicator because he said after the 2008 recession the sales of big ticket items completely plummeted and we've had um, Dixon Carphone this week also saying that phone sales are good, computer sales are a bit flat but domestic appliances and your smart TVs are selling quite well which they think is also again the best indicator so it certainly seems that life has continued but whether or not this will continue to be the case next year we'll have to see. How much of that do you think is borrowed money on credit? There has been a bit of a consumer credit boom uh, prior to the referendum. So we're definitely uh, spending money uh, that we don't have. In economics, you, you talk about basically taking spending from the future, which is effectively borrowing, and spending it today. At some point, you can't just keep on borrowing. You know, ad infinitum, you have to actually start paying it off. And there is an issue. And debt levels, household debt levels are still they're still very high. Not quite as high as they were before the crisis, but um, but they, they came down sharply afterwards, but they have uh, begun to tick up again. So there are signs that consumer credit is, is fueling this. And it's an interesting point, I think, with the new car market where everyone sees continuing booming sales and that everything is uh, is OK. But very, very few of these cars are actually being bought. It's, it's all deferred payments. It's these uh, PCP plans where you pay monthly payments. It's not credit, but you are deferring payments into the future, which uh, you have to continue to make. 
Looking at inflation, we're going to hear right. First of all, you, you, Phil, there's talk about, you know, because of the currency effect and, and various other factors that inflation will start to creep up and this will feed through into prices. Do you see a danger of that? We've been used to low inflation for so long. Yeah, it's definitely going to feed through to prices. A lot of fridges are bought from continental manufacturers and they're going to want to protect their euro margins, which is going to mean that the sterling cost as a result of the collapse in the pound is is going to rise for shoppers over here. It'll be interesting to see how long that takes, though, because particularly for the retailers um, who have uh, currency hedging in place, for example, like John Lewis, they don't expect there'll be any changes in prices, at least for a year. And uh, this week we had Mike Ashley at Sports Direct saying, and they have no hedging in place, saying that they didn't foresee that they would they would be putting up prices, if at all, until possibly quarter two or quarter three next year. And he was making the point that it is an incredibly competitive retail market. So retailers will try and hold the prices for as long as possible before passing them on. But at some point, it will become inevitable that they will have to... What what takes the currency squeeze there? So obviously, if you've got hedging in place, then you're protected. But but so Sports Direct just had a bit of a profits warning. So (laughs) if if that's their policy, are they going to be taking it on the profits or are they going to be sweating the zero hours labour even harder? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so nice and controversial, Philip. Well, I mean, we talked about retailers. That Apple has immediately passed on on the thing with their new iPhones, and they've generally been very competitive, haven't they? So there's there's a point that it's already happening. And Deirdre, if I could move on there, it's, it's quite a neat sort of follow-on, really, to Morrison's. We're going to be hearing from um, William Morrison's supermarket. They're in the middle of a price war. They've got to put their prices up. How are they going to cope? I mean, we're getting a pretty silly zero-sum game of just cutting and cutting and cutting here, aren't we, into the bottom line? Absolutely, but I think the supermarkets are probably the most squeezed of the retailers in terms of being able to put their prices up because it is so competitive. Um, obviously, you've got the discounters, Aldi and Little, who are just continually putting pressure, and uh, retailers such as Morrison's and Asda are quite exposed to that. But I actually think Morrison's is going to be quite upbeat next week. I think they've got a little bit of a spring in their step after you know quite a tough few years. But they've recently renegotiated their deal with Cardo, which was quite a coup for them. They've signed this deal with Amazon, where they're supplying as like a wholesale supplier, which could be quite an interesting area for Morrison's because obviously. They are the vertically integrated big four supermarket in that they produce a lot of their own products that they sell and they are supplying other parties. They're continuing to reduce their debt. They've got a good team in Dave Potts, who's former Tesco, and Trevor Strain, who's a very well-regarded CFO. So I think they're starting to look better, but they are having to put an awful lot into price crunching, as are all the other supermarkets, and I don't think that's going to change. But it seems to me that certainly in in leading up into the sort of over the new year period, it was all about Aldi and Lidl and the discounters and that, as you say, the big four vertically integrated supermarkets were on their knees and couldn't come back. But it seems to be that they are. People are beginning to look at them again as as reasonably healthy investments. Is is that the case, do you think? Um, I don't know. I think think it's pretty grim. I mean, if you, you have to look at... Asda, I mean, Asda is, is really, it's still profitable, but it's hemorrhaging sales. I mean, its footfall is down, its like for like sales are down, and that's, they're just losing sales to Aldi, Little, probably Morrison's. Um, so you've got a really tough 
um, environment for all of the retailers. Many of them, such as Tesco, Sainsbury, are all figuring out what can they do with their big superstores that people don't really want to shop at anymore. They're all having to try to find new ways to get revenue from that. So I, I, I think it's I think it's quite tough for them, really. Well, while I've got you here and on retail, let's just have a little quick catch up on Sports Direct. Of course, you went up to Shirebrook for this this famous meeting, it's this more PR. Fun than a circus. <laughs> I bet it was, yes. I mean, there was talk about Keith Hallowell, the chairman, being under fire, and, of course, the now infamous incident of pulling out a wadge of £50 notes. This is just a clip of uh, Mike Ashley defending his reforms and his chairman, Keith Hallowell, uh, talking to the BBC. I believe that in 12 months' time, we will see that he does have the confidence of the independent investors because I believe that we should be given time to work on the areas of the business where we have had shortcomings. That's that's my own personal view. Well, your own personal view as um, a founder and majority shareholder carries some weight, I suppose. But more importantly, Deirdre, was it a success, do you think, and will it begin to underpin the share price? I wouldn't say it was a success. I would say it was a pretty stage-managed affair, and I think it will have gone some way towards proving Sports Direct's new image as being open to the um, to the public and being forthcoming. But I wouldn't say it was a success because before the annual meeting had even started, they had put out a statement saying that we want Keith Hallowell to stay. And that was in the face of massive unrest from the independent shareholders. So they basically didn't heed one of the major, pretty much every shareholder, Standard Life, uh, Aviva, LNG, they all lined up saying this chairman has to go because he's presided over what has been a pretty scandalous state of affairs at their warehouse in, in Shirebrook. Ultimately, I think that had, that kind of cast a pile over the whole annual meeting. And I think it'll be a miracle if Keith Hallowell survives the next annual meeting because I don't see any of those shareholders voting in his support. OK, well, that's certainly one to watch Keith Hallowell to go before the year. Well, we're going to be taking a short break now, and when we return, we'll be looking at that new fiver. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Now, in a few days' time, you may notice something rather different about your fivers. The polymer £5 note, complete with Winston Churchill's face, is going to launch, and by May next year, it will replace the current note bearing social reformer Elizabeth Fry. I'm not sure what Winston Churchill were made of it. Well, we've done a little bit of research for you. Here's a clip of his famous speech on Capitol Hill in 1942 about being masters of our fate. Day. Now. We are the masters of our fate. That the task which has been set us is not above our strength. That its pangs and toils are not beyond our endurance. As long as we have faith in our cause and uh, an unconquerable willpower, salvation will not be denied us. Bobley, our industrial editor. I mean- one of the things that struck me, Theresa May might have wanted to say that about the current Brexit scenario. Winston Churchill was pretty pro-European, wasn't he? I think so. Uh, I'm struggling for words. I've been moved to watery eyes with 
the great wartime leader. Um, the, the interesting thing, this new £5 note uh, from, Tuesday, from Tuesday, people will know that the actual the fiver in their pocket will have shrunk because the actual polymer note is a, it's a bit smaller than the, the, the current note. And it's an interesting thing because uh, everyone in the West thinks we're moving to a cashless society. So uh, why would we be uh, dealing with... Um, uh, investing in polymer notes um i mean the fact of the matter is it, we, we aren't going to a cashless society i think mike ashley um uh, the other day noted uh, showed that there are people still like um uh, using cash and of course um uh, robert you like to uh, pay your valet and your chauffeur uh, in in a cash tip so people will still be using them no they're on zero hours contracts actually bob mike ashley is a bit of a softie i think uh, philip bob had made the point earlier to me that um cashless society and here at the other end of the scale you've got mark carney printing the wretched stuff so have we gone too far well what actually one interesting thing you might spot about the uh, polymer banknotes apart from the five pound banknote there are plans for the 10 pound banknote to go plastic and for the 20 pound banknote to go plastic but not for the 50 pound note to go plastic there's no plans for this which um is intriguing i mean obviously mike ashley is going to have a serious problem without you know plastic 50 pound notes if what is actually going on here is that they're actually planning to get rid of the 50 pound note um because there are you know suggestions that the 50 pound note is is mostly used in the black economy and when you talk about a cashless economy the thing that the regulators and the policymakers love is that it basically it, it, it pretty much eliminates the black economy. They haven't said they're getting rid of it, but the indications seem to be that they may. Your source is close to the Bank of yeah, England. It looks, tell you, it looks like, like it that. might happen. Deirdre, mm. one of the things that people talk about it, the cashless society, and I noticed that people, I'm going to sound very old here, they'd use this tap your card against mm. its instant payment. But it seems to me that in a lot of cases particularly with credit cards, these merchant fees that people are being charged are still seem to be extraordinarily high, given that technology is supposed to move on. We, we all seem to get lumbered with these extra costs at the till. The fact is, um, this is the way people like to pay. I mean, people like contactless. Uh, Sainsbury's recently trialled a mini convenience store where the only way you can pay is by card, so they literally take no cash at all. Um, so... You know, there is a processing fee to it, but if people want to pay that, I mean, people know that, so it's up to them how you choose to pay. I think it's an interesting thing about these um, uh, polymer notes. Uh, they are going to be uh, produced by a uh, UK company called Inovia. The fiver is actually going to be uh, made uh, by Inovia's factory in Australia, but the tenor will be made uh, up in uh, Cumbria. And for that company, which will at some stage probably uh, uh, float on the stock market, um, the big prize for it is to actually persuade the real big cash economies like uh, India and uh, uh, elsewhere in the Far East to actually go over to polymer banknotes themselves. And for them as a company, that would be terrific news. OK, there were lots to watch out for. Winston Churchill is making a comeback. That's it for about now, but do remember you can keep up to date with all the events we've been talking about. Phil Aldrich in particular will be covering those live, so do follow him. It'll be online, iPad, and, of course, in your paper every day. If you're a Time subscriber, do take advantage to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime business emails. And if you don't have a subscription, just go to thetimes.co.uk, where there's a special £1 offer. It's still there. And if you'd like to listen to us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My sincere thanks to Deirdre Hipwell, Philip Aldrich and Robert Lee. They're on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Ready Business Britain.